Hello and welcome to Dyslexia Explored. I'm Darius Nomderon, your host. And today we've got a very interesting show for you. We're going to talk about what it's like to learn to read as an adult with dyslexia, or to be more precise, to go and get dyslexia tutoring as an adult with dyslexia and how that journey can unfold. And I've got a wonderful lady here with me, Jamicia. I've coached her and she's also been coached by a dyslexia reading tutor as well. And it's just been fascinating to hear a bit of Jamicia's story. So Jamicia is a documentary TV producer and an executive producer on a music documentary series called Unsung. And Jamicia found out about her dyslexia in adulthood now has been on a journey to see what she can do about it. And I've not actually talked about all of this with Jamicia or Melissa before. And Melissa's here as her dyslexia tutor, who is a dyslexia tutor and uses the Barton reading program for children and adults, teaching them how to manage their dyslexia, how to learn to read, and even more. I'm also a coach and I teach people executive function skills, mind mapping skills for people with dyslexia. So we've both been involved in Jamicia's journey. And so this is just a great opportunity for us to just talk about this journey of realizing as an adult, I've got dyslexia. I think I need to learn how to read a bit better. And then what happens? And this is what we're going to explore today. So Jamicia, it's great to have you here. Thank you. Awesome to be here. And I am just, I'm so excited to have two of my favorite people in the same room. I want to say thank you to you both. Just over this last year, I have grown a lot, I guess, mainly in self-discovery of who I am and <laughs> the gift and the talents that I have. And you two, I would say that I Oh, a lot of that to you too, just showing me who I am. So thank you to the both of you. You guys have helped me more than you know, and I am so excited to talk about my journey. Yeah. And how the, really how the two of you <laughs> have helped me this last year along the way. Fantastic. Can't wait. And Melissa, it's great to have you here as well. So tell us a little bit about yourself. It's great to be here. I've been kind of looking forward to being able to meet you since about 2018, I think. So this is exciting as well. And I started on my own journey of dyslexia tutoring back in 2015 for where I was, I was working at a school and the principal there um, really want, I was always looking at how to help the students as best as possible. He heard about the Barton program, asked our, the preschool teacher there if she would be interested in teaching the kids that. And I was her aide at the time. And she knew that I could use a little extra income. So she asked if I would like to, if I'd be interested in helping her. And I said, yes, that would be great. In the end, it turned out that the district wouldn't pay me to do it because I wasn't a certified teacher. But by the time that happened, I was hooked. I wanted to help these kids. I wanted to help the students with dyslexia. I wanted to, to learn about it and help them as much as possible. So that's what brings me all the way here. Right. Fantastic. So, Jamicia, let's start at the beginning of this story. What was life like before you woke up to dyslexia and what woke you up to dyslexia? What was your wake up moment and call? Yeah. Tell us about that. 
So my wake up moment takes me back to October, I think 2022, last year. And I was literally balled up on my couch, just overwhelmed with work, like couldn't take it anymore. I knew something was wrong. I had a lot on my plate. As an executive producer, I'm responsible for managing eight to 12 episodes at a time. And, you know, that's a lot for any person, but especially if you have dyslexia. And so there I am on my couch, balled up, just like overwhelmed and wanting to quit. I can't do it. And a lot of it was because, you know, I'm having to write emails to some of the executives and it is taking me literally a full day to respond to these emails because I can't get my words together or I have to rewrite multiple scripts at a time and something that might the normal brain, let's say 10 minutes to do here, it is taking me hours. And because of that, all of my work is just piling up. And I literally felt like I couldn't take it. And I said, I, something is wrong. <laughs> something is wrong. And I'm like, this, this shouldn't happen this way. Why can't I think of the words? Why aren't the sentences forming for me? And I've had this journey, this struggle all of my life, but I think with this workload, it was just magnified. And I knew that I needed help. I needed help or else I was gonna have to quit. So I looked it up and I was like, okay, well maybe it's ADHD. And so I decided to go to a psychiatrist and found out that I did have ADHD. And so he prescribed me medication took the medication and I felt better. I'm like, okay, at least I have the motivation to sit down <laughs> and do something now. So that's great. But then after two weeks along the way, I'm like, I'm still not writing emails faster. <laughs> I still can't think of the words. I still can't form my sentences like I want. There's something else going on. I don't understand. And so I started Googling. I do that for everything, just Google. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm writing down the things that I'm experiencing and dyslexia kept coming up. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So I called around a few places, you know, to take a test, but they were like thousands of dollars. And I'm like, I don't want to pay thousands of dollars to take a test. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that I have it. So I found this website where you can hire tutors for pretty much anything under the sun. And they had dyslexia tutors on there. It's called Superproof. And so I went on there and I said, okay, dyslexia tutor, maybe they can just lead me in the right direction or just even tell me if I, I have it or not. And so I went down and for looking at the list that they have there. And for some reason, Melissa, <laughs> I'm like, she looks warm and friendly enough. You know, I scrolled through a few more people. And I kept coming back to her and I'm like, well, I'm just going to send her an email. And she, I send her an email and kind of explain what's going on. She's like, well, sure. I would love to just meet with you and we can talk a little bit more about it. So we did that. We met and then she recommended that I take a test, which was much cheaper than the ones that I had heard about. I think it was maybe around $75 or so. What was that test called, Melissa? It was from the Dyslexic Advantage, the one that Brock, they recommend they have on their site. So I can't remember exactly, but it is through them that they recommend that. So that's the one that she, that you used. Yes. So I used that and it maybe took me about an hour, you know, multiple choice and just different prompts that they have you do. And I'm like, like I aced the test. <laughs> Pretty good. I get it back. And basically... It, it pretty much told me that not only am I dyslexic, but I am like super dyslexic. You know, I think I got maybe like a 
84 or something like that. And I guess the, the score that you, the highest score you can get is like 100, which pretty much says you're just dyslexic, dyslexic. And I get like an 84 and I'm like, wow, <laughs> how have I gone all my life and had no idea about this? And I felt relief. I felt a little bit of sadness for having not known. I felt a little bit of like, okay, now what? <laughs> I felt just actually also too proud of myself that I had made it this far, you know, without having known and the things that I have accomplished without having known. Yeah. And so that's pretty much kind of what led me to Melissa. And after that, we talked about the test and she's like, all right, well, do you want to start being tutored, you know, for some of this stuff? And I'm like, okay, sure. And we started out on the Barton program and it was really interesting because here we are and I'm relearning about how long and short vowel sounds at 38. <laughs> and I don't know, but it was something very cool about it because now I, before that, I don't think I could tell you what the long and short vowel sounds were, you know, I just, whatever I knew how to say, it's just because it had been re repeated enough that it just got put into my mind, but I couldn't tell you what they were and what those sounds were and why they were. And so now I'm learning all these things and it is beginning to help me just now, if I see a word that I maybe don't know how to spell, there are certain tools that I'm learning that can help me <laughs> spell them. Yeah. So that's pretty much the story over the last year. And Melissa, you know, a lot of it has started out with, of course, just the reading, the writing and the spelling. But there are many days that I come in there <laughs> and I need help with just, well, I don't know, managing life and believing in myself and knowing that it's okay to take a different journey. And yeah, so a lot of, I would say, our tutoring has been about just unlearning and knowing that I have something to offer and knowing that just because I don't learn like everyone else, that doesn't mean that I'm not smart enough, you know? So that's what a lot of our sessions have been about. I think it's important to put into the context while you're doing all of this, you're still producing like, you know, five, six, eight television shows every single week and executive producing other producers yeah. with teams of script writers and cameramen and all of this, all these people going out, interviewing musicians, bringing back the contents of the videos and compiling them and editing them and then publishing them into and people watching them on TV. And all of this is going on at the same time. You know, life hasn't stopped, but all of that's going on at the same time, isn't it? Yes. I, I would think... say from the outside, you're an executive television producer. You know, yeah. you're like a success, you know, in, in, in many people's eyes. And then you're going back to learn how to read. Okay. So what I'm interested in here is what was your reading like? Could you not read? Could you read? What was your reading level like? And has your reading level changed? And is it really all about reading that you've got the benefit from or what there's so many questions here and i'm yeah. sure listeners will be having all of those questions so i'm just going to direct some maybe towards melissa or or you jamesia yeah well where was your reading at before and where's it at now i'd love to know that 
I could, I can, obviously, <laughs> I don't think that I would be able to kind of do what I'm doing now if, you know, I couldn't read at all, but I can read. But I think the challenge more so would come in with comprehension of what I'm reading, taking that in and being able to say it back to you, articulate um, what I read is probably the main, the biggest challenge I would say that I have. And also I can read most normal words for the most part, but if there's anything that I don't recognize, then I would have, I have issues with being able to sound it out because I don't know why it makes this sound <laughs> and how, and you know, how the word, I don't know how the word is put together. So therefore I'm not unable to, and, and when I didn't even know shortened vowel, long vowel sounds, I couldn't tell you like, okay, well, is this I making the short vowel sound or the long vowel sound? So then therefore I couldn't tell you how to say the word. I couldn't say the word, you know? Okay. So it was very much that, but also I think along with the comprehension, it was me being able to gather my thoughts <laughs> and be, be able to like put them down and articulate what was in my mind. Cause a lot of times, and I know that you've talked about this Darius, but it feels like everything that I want to say and share is all over the place in my mind. You know, it's like something's over here and over there and over there, there, there. And, and now I have to figure out how to bring it all together to make it make sense. So I think that I've gained a lot more grace and patience for myself to know that this is just how your brain is. OK, this is just how it works. So once you come to terms with that, now you can be more patient with yourself and say that it's OK, that it's going to take you a little longer to gather the information that you need. So I think one of the biggest things about this whole journey is learning to have more grace and patience for myself and like not beat myself up for not being able to work as fast as the next person. And also moving forward, looking for environments that working environments that will <laughs> allow me the space and a little bit more time to put things together and the television I'm, I'll still stay in entertainment and television, of course, but a lot of times all of those things are very fast-paced, fast-paced, fast turnaround, especially if you're in the field, you got to have answers, you know, right away. And I would get really beat down in the past or, or even I've had people say that one of my um, bosses a long time ago was like, you know, I feel like you're not proactive enough. And um, that always stuck with me. And I would be like, well, I was trying, but I really just didn't have the answer in that moment. You know, <laughs> I need time to go and sit or find the answer. And a lot of times working in television production doesn't always allow for the time sometimes to be able to get your thoughts and, and your ideas together. So I think a lot of this time now, just in me discovering this, it's been a lot of just unlearning and giving myself grace and patience for how I work. Right. So primarily your main challenges that's brought you to this is the reading comprehension, comprehending stuff faster, and then also processing stuff faster. And then also gathering all of those diverse thoughts together and bringing them into a way you can really share with other people and explain. Yes. yes. So comprehension, processing, and explaining so mm -hmm. in other words it's like 
stuff coming in, stuff being digested, and stuff going out. Mm -hmm. These three th areas. Yeah. Okay. Or in Bullet Map Academy, we often think of it as capture, filter, focus, and explain. So you've got to capture information. You've got to filter it. You've got to filter that down to a focus. And then you've got to find a way to explain it to people. And that explanation might be a film documentary. It might mm -hmm. be a poster. It might be a poem. But it, it starts in that everyone is, is going through that process. But what happens is that when I see your journey, I have this picture of like a person going on a mountain climbing expedition, okay? And they've been given the wrong size of shoe for their feet, and it's too small. They're like a size nine, but they've been given a size seven, okay? And they've squeezed, okay, let's say size nine, they've been given a size eight, okay? They've squeezed their feet into the size eight, and they've gone hiking. And then, you know, they've done a 20-mile hike over four or five days. They could manage it for a small one-mile hike when they're at school. But now, you know, you're doing some real distance. You've got some real weight on the backpack. You've got lots of responsibility. You've got people following you, et cetera. And then you're sitting down at the end of the day. You're looking and you're saying, what's wrong with me that I can't keep up with everyone else and I'm slowing everything down? What, what is wrong with me? And then someone comes along and says, hey, maybe the shoes you're wearing don't fit your feet. Maybe the skills you've got don't fit your mind. Like your mind is like you're a shape. And the shoe, the tools you use for your mind are like shoes for your mind, like you got shoes for your feet. We've all got different shaped feet. We've also got all different shaped minds. And we have different tools to fit those minds. Now, you could have just regular size seven, eight feet, and someone gives you a size nine shoe or a size eight shoe, and it's a little bit loose or whatever, you pad it out or whatever. But when your shoe's definitely not the right fit, and your feet are bleeding and blistered and, you know, breaking down, and you're like, I don't know what's wrong with me, I see your scenario as there's nothing wrong with you. You've just got the wrong kit on your feet. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of what Melissa <laughs> has been, you know, helping me with. Yeah. Because there's been a lot of years of me saying to myself, and, and maybe even others have said, oh, you're not smart enough. You don't like reading. You know, why are you so slow at this? You're not proactive. You're not articulate. You know, all of these things. So that's what I, I have in my mind, you know, and mm. so it's like trying to get that out to know that, no, it just works differently and you have to find the the right shoes, <laughs> so to speak, to make sure that you can do this journey well. Because I'm so grateful to have come so far and, you know, kind of pretty much rise to the ranks of the highest position of my show. So grateful for that. But I am beaten and battered and bruised. <laughs> Yeah, you've got some very sore feet. Very you know? sore feet. Yeah, and the way I kind of visualize it is like you've got to that top of the hill or come back down and you've got another hill ahead of you and you're like, you know, I need to 
just think a little bit here. I'm old enough to know better and I'm young enough to do something about it sort of zone, you know, that you're mm-hmm. starting to think, hold on a minute, maybe it's not me, maybe it's something else or whatever. ADHD and dyslexia are a common double whammy, you know, and it's it, it, this is another fascinating aspect of your story is that ADHD dyslexia things like you can attribute all the challenges to ADHD but actually dyslexia is maybe throwing up some of those challenges you're not addressing them or vice versa you can think it's all dyslexia but you're not addressing the attentional issues the working memory issues etc and it's interesting when I interviewed Dr Brock and Fernet ID from the Dyslexic Advantage who did that assessment that you did the first time I interviewed Fernet that was three years ago, two, three years ago, three years ago. It's a really interesting episode to listen to. We'll put it into the show notes. What motivated them to write the Dyslexic Advantage book was the high instance of people being diagnosed with ADHD that actually had dyslexia. And so, and the, and the American system really pays because it's medicalized you know, ADHD, there's medicine involved, there's doctors involved, there's insurance involved. And so it's like, well, I'll get a test. Are they going to pay for a dyslexia test? No, but they're going to play for an ADHD test. So you go to get the ADHD test, and you've got ADHD, but you might also have dyslexia as well. And there's a lot of people. So for example, let's take your scenario, Jamesia. It's like, okay, you might have attentional issues, inhibitory control issues. So you're not focusing enough on what you're reading, for example, you know, but let's say you are focusing in on what you're reading, but you're still not comprehending it. And you can mistake that as an attention issue. You're not paying enough attention. That's why you're not comprehending it. But with dyslexia, you might not be comprehending it because you're not decoding it properly. So Melissa, why don't you share a little bit about what you've observed with Jamesia over this journey? Okay. So earlier on, you said, you know, she's this executive producer. And so she looks like successful. So the very first time I met her and she's telling me she's an executive producer in almost the very next breath, she says she doesn't believe she's good at anything. So you have someone who's an executive producer and has nothing to offer because she can't get her words out as fast as these other people, or, you know, her thoughts aren't as articulate as others. And so She had no confidence. And she said, if you could tell me that I could have my dream job and I I wouldn't know what to pick. I don't know what I'm passionate about. I'm where I am right now because of circumstances. She went with where her dyslexia would let her go. So she had these amazing survival tactics of be rising through these ranks and becoming this executive producer and overcoming all these challenges without even knowing she's dyslexic. But nothing was there that was helping her confidence in anything. Now she's she's stuck in this mainstream world so that her neurodiversity can't come out. So she can't find any strengths to talk about. She has no passions at all. So this is where we were starting here with this executive producer who felt she had nothing to contribute and no skills at all. And from that point on, she has continued to work on finding her strengths and believing in her strengths. I'm always blown away when I hear her say something, well, I know I'm good at this. 
So now I know we've made progress because she's admitting that she's actually good at something. Or yeah. she'll say, I know I'm passionate about working with children. It's like, oh, you have a passion here. So, you know, she's starting to be able to come out of this prison that she's been trapped in now that she knows or is learning about how she works best and giving herself the ability to work with those skills um, early on. If I would say, just, just play with something. She hated that. She hates, she's, there's no playing. She wanted things laid out. She wanted to know how it was going to work. And she has discovered that playing is really what makes her shine. It's what gives her, gets her the spark, gets her creative and lets her, all of her strengths come out. So she's come a very long way in a little over a year, just in self-confidence alone and finding she has strengths to offer that she has skills, she has passions, she has a direction that she wants to bring her life to, that she doesn't have to be stuck in this executive producer position only, that she can do something that works with her strengths and skills. And then along the way, she's also still working. She's working on the reading and the spelling and getting that. She's saying, you know, she can distinguish between the short vowel sounds now. And she's using the syllable division to help her know how to read these vowels now instead of like, well, just guess, you know, what sounds best when you read this word. Now she's actually gets to know. So she's using all of this and she is building that confidence and really finding her place and sharing it with the world to inspire and help others. So it's been a, a huge journey and there's still more out there to come as she becomes more confident and discovers herself. But 180 from when I first met her and she's saying, I have nothing to offer. I can't do this. I can't do this to now she's saying, I can do this. I can do this. And I want to do this. So that's where her journey has led her so far. Brilliant. It's fascinating. You know, people would say you're a reading tutor, you know, and the interesting thing about being a dyslexia tutor is it, it's always way more than being a reading tutor or mind mapping tutor or a study skills tutor or an executive function coach or whatever your aspect of coaching that's helpful for dyslexia is that there's always going to be that more to it. So how much of your time do you think you actually spend doing the reading tutoring compared to the the other sort of stuff, the, the, the self-confidence and... Uh... Um, so far, I'd say like, at least I think uh, maybe 20% Barton and 80% has oh, been wow, right. <laughs> online. Okay. Well, I also do, I bring in other projects and things that yes. I have. Yeah, so, yeah. so there may be, you know, when I was still at work, if there was something that I had to do there, I would bring that in. If there was a project yeah. and we would work on it, you doing like mind mapping or yeah, which Darius, you know, I still, <laughs> you know, struggle to kind of take in, but she, before I'm, you know, before I met you, she was teaching me things, the mind mapping and she uses doodling probably, you know, in every lesson that we're learning, we utilize doodling in order for me to just to be working on my comprehension consistently. And I remember the first time that I did doodling, she was like, well, go watch, you know, Darius's video when he's doing, you were doing the story Little with club. The, yeah, it was the story with the kids on, which one was it? The light bulb. Edison. Thomas Edison. Edison. Thomas Edison. And she's like, okay, go do that. You go watch that. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to do this along with them. And so I'm drawing along the way and I got so excited. I like made a video for her. I'm like, look, I remember the story of Thomas Edison. <laughs> 
And I think I still have it, my doodle from that very first time that I that I ever tried it. And I was just blown away how much it actually, you know, did help me. And so along the way, it's been this thing of like, okay, I mean, obviously the test confirmed that I <laughs> that I'm dyslexic, but doing these things and finding out how they are so helpful, you know, for me is also like another confirmation that like, okay, your brain works differently, but guess what? There are things out there that can help you. And I feel like doodling has been one of those things. So even when I'm trying to remember Bible verses, you know, I'll doodle <laughs> on the margins just to kind of help me get those words in my in my mind. So Melissa was the first person to introduce me to you, Darius, and all the things that you offer. And she had, she had told me about, you know, some of the programs you offer. And I'm like, oh, do you really think that I should, this would be a good investment? And she was like, if there's any investment you can make, this is one that you should do. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, since you said it, I guess I will. And she was right, you know, because of some of the things that I utilize my notes, you know, that you teach, I utilize that on a, on a daily basis. That's helpful for me. The calendars have just really helped to organize things and help me get the information out so that I don't have so much going on in here. And I actually said to Melissa last week, I said, you know what? I've been finding that I have been able to, if somebody says something, it it sticks in my brain a bit faster now. Like I'm able to recall it. You know, if I'm taking notes in church and they say something, I'm able to fully write down whatever it was they said without forgetting it. And she was like, well, I think that you're starting to free up space, you know, in your mind. So it's able to hold on to more information. So I would say that's definitely one of the things by being able to free up my mind that has been helping me to, you know, take in and retain information better. Fantastic. Great to hear that. So just to help listeners understand the context of what you're describing there with the doodling and the significance of doodling is, so I've observed with children with dyslexia is you hear a story or you read a story and you completely understand what you've read or you completely understand what you've heard. And then at the end of the story, someone asks you, what was that story about? And you're like, oh, a light bulb, you know, a man and a light bulb. And you're like, I, I, I can't remember. I don't understand what happened. But then you do another experiment, okay, where you ask the child or the adult, which is what Jamisia just did there was you give them a bit of paper and you ask them to start at 12 o'clock at the top of a circle on the paper and you draw in a circle. Uh, doodles uh, like a clock as you hear the story we do this in doodle club or did this in doodle club and so i would tell a story like story of thomas edison spend three four five minutes doing it there's a little doodle about how it started and then this happened and then happened and you're doodling away and then you get to the end and then you say to them so what was that story about and they look at this doodle and that doodle and the, oh that was that and that was that and they can retell the whole story a, a whole heap more. Now, what's fascinating about what's actually happening when you're doing it is that when you're doodling, you're emptying your working memory. So you're hearing an idea, you're capturing that idea, and instead of holding it in your temporary working memory, you're downloading it straight onto the doodle and it's out your head so you can hear the next thing, understand it, download it, and it's downloaded, okay? So that's the first thing, downloaded your working memory. But 
because you're downloading it as a doodle and connecting it to your visual strengths and your visualization ability of what's that doodle going to be, you're actually kind of encoding it into your memory at the same time. So you're not just downloading it, but you're sort of remembering it a little bit. And then that visual becomes a trigger of the memory. The third thing, though, not just that, is that as you're drawing it into a picture, you're not just memorizing, you're processing it. You know, what would that look like? What would, it, what would you know? Oh, oh and, and you keep going and you're kind of processing the information kind of manually, physically. The net result of it is it's helped your working memory. It's helped your memory and it's helped you process. And one of the biggest challenges with dyslexia is processing and also working memory. And so all in one go with doodling, you can solve so many of those problems really quite quickly. And I've done this with four-year-olds. I've told four-year-olds the same story as Thomas Edison. The four-year-old will do the, the doodles and you go, what's the story? Well, there was this man who did such and such. They've not written one word, but they've taken notes. They've literally taken notes. And so I've had kids who have taken poems they've had to memorize and they've turned them into doodles and so on. And I've got professors who have done the same thing in past medical degrees and so on, using exactly the same technique. So that's the context of what Jamesia is talking about there in terms of the significance of just that little exercise and doodling and how it can help with dyslexia. It's such a, a big changing moment there too, because when they finally for the first time can remember a story it is mind-blowing for them. They sit there and they can't believe that all these times before of reading something that they can't, couldn't remember it. And now all of a sudden they try this technique and here they are, boom, being able to remember and retell the story. And the happiness and the pride that's on their face when they do it is, is just priceless. It's, it's very life-changing for them, these moments when th that very first time of being able to remember a story. And mm. like Jamesia said, she still remembers it and she's still very proud. She's like, I don't think I'm ever going to forget the story about Edison. So it was so fun to yeah. see her in the video that she sent. And she's telling, she didn't even have to look at her doodles. You know, after a while, you can just do it. You, you have the visualize them and then she could retell that to me. And she was, she's very, it was, it was a very good moment for her. So. How much do you do this with your students, Melissa? The, in the Barton program, there's always a story after each lesson once you get to level three. And I have you now, ever since I learned about what from watching your videos, I have incorporated that into the program. I have them go through and I do the keynote keywords. I have them underline the keywords and then I may have them do doodles that match the keywords so that mm -hmm. I really can see how much they're comprehending the story because you can't draw a picture of something if you don't understand it. You know, so you start to yeah. see how much they're really relating to the story there. So yeah. I use that uh, with a different student. I had the same situation of she couldn't, she had said she never could remember a story. And I had recently learned about your keywords and I had her underline them. And she read the story for the very first time and she retold it to me without looking at it. And she just kind of sat there looking at me. She didn't know what to do because she had just remembered a story. So I incorporate that now into the Barton program because of how effective it is for them. Fantastic. That's so wonderful to hear, Melissa. That's well, fantastic. I appreciate that. I learned that you, you've you been such a, an advocate for the dyslexia world. And so it's been inspiring to help get that out to my students and to help 
And you can see, you know, in Jamesia, how much this has started to change her world as well. So, you know, it's changing their lives and it's just wonderful. This podcast is sponsored by dyslexiaproductivitycoaching.com, which helps you organize yourself creatively with a productivity system for Apple devices. What's interesting is I remember there was a point where I started to train lots of dyslexia reading tutors in the bullet map process. We did an experiment with this. And a lot of them came to me and said, look, the the reading programs, whatever reading program you use, they will say, we will teach your child how to read using this program. But we don't say your child will learn how to comprehend. And this is shocking for people. If you look at the small print of the programs, the Barton program, any other, you think you've taught, we will teach your child how to read, but you will not necessarily have full comprehension at the end of it. And I don't know how they phrase it. And they put this in because it is so hard for parents to understand. How is it that a child can read every single word on the page and at the end of that reading, they don't comprehend what they've read. How would you respond to that, Melissa? I have responded to this before for, for parents. And it's, I said, how can you comprehend what you can't remember? So mm. I know that they're reading the words, but it's not sticking with them. So at the end, they can't remember what it is they've read. It's, it's not always that they can't comprehend it, that they can't actually process it. It's just that they simply don't remember it. And I've seen that with students across the board about, I'll see some of their test results on a, and they'll say, oh, they have comprehension issues. Look at the ones they got wrong. And okay, this is like, this is something about a goat's horns and the student got it wrong. And so then I, had her read the paragraph again, and I had her make sure she was taking underlining keywords and stuff. And then I had her ask the same question and she had the answer correct. And I said, and she's like, well, the first time around, she didn't remember that it mentioned this goat's horns and what the goat's horns felt like. So she was using logic to answer the question. And then when she went through and did keywords, she actually remembered reading about the goat horns and was able to get the right answers. So Whenever I see that comprehension issue is listed for a child, one of my first thoughts is, are they really not comprehending what they're reading or are they just forgetting what they are reading yeah. about, you know, because you can't comprehend what you can't remember. So yeah. that's kind of the approach that I use and why, why I use these keywords in the doodles that you've shown is so that I can tell, at least I know they're catching the details and noting them in some way that they can remember them later on. Yeah. Jamesia? Yeah, because for me, things go, I would read it and then it'd be like, right out. Like, it's just, just floating in the wind somewhere. And so when I started doing it, I, I think I just had this thing all my life about like getting things right, you know? And so even when we were starting out, I'm like, well, am I underlining the right word? Do I need to know this word? Do I need to hang on to it? And it was a lot of that. And she was like, go with what, you know, you feel the, the details that you know that you need to remember in order to 
share the story. So once I got over getting it right and making my drawings look perfect, once I kind of let those things go, it became really helpful. And I think definitely the keywords when it comes to remembering the details of a story have been, you know, e extremely helpful. Underlying that they were red and hairy or whatever the case. And it's just like, ah, just that simple underline is really helpful to hold on to the details. And so she has us do the keywords and it's a time consuming process. I'm not going to lie. You know, sometimes I'm like, do I really want to do all this? <laughs> and she's like, yes, you have to take the extra steps, you know? And I'm like, okay. So we underline, I do the doodles. She has us color code. What are the colors? Red, orange. I do the rainbow patterns to help with sequencing oh. and retelling the events. Yes. So the rainbow pattern, she has a color coded. We do the doodles. And then after I can tell it with the doodles, she's like, all right, put your doodle away. And now you tell me. And she's like, retell it in your in your own voice, in your own way. It doesn't have to sound exactly like the person. You retell it how it came to you. And I think that's been freeing as well, because you don't have to memorize word for word. You basically are taking it in my own voice, so to speak. It's what happened, but now it's in my own voice. So sometimes I'm like, and then. And he walked all the way down to the end of the row. And girl, let me tell you, you know, so that helps as well when I'm, a, when I'm freed up to be able to say it <laughs> in the way that I speak. Yeah, just I feel like resonates with me. Yeah. And in doing this process as well, I think it reveals another one of her strengths and is that it, when she draws a doodle and she's trying to go through the story and she's looking at it, she will say, I'm missing something here. So I, she notes when there's something missing in a sequence. So that's a strength that she can carry with her into all different areas, especially, you know, with her the, being a producer. She knows something needs to be in, in here. There's a piece missing and she'll fill it in and then it's complete. So I think that's another strength that she discovered while doing this doodling. It was just to help remember something. But instead, it also led her to see, I would say, you understand when something's missing. You, you know when you need to fill something in. So it's had that added benefit as well of revealing another one of her strengths along the way. Yeah. And this whole journey has just been helpful to me as well when I, you know, I mean, I teach children's church at my church and there was a student who came up to me and she was like, yeah, you know, I'm not really doing that great in school. My teacher, you know, says that I'm doing a lot of doodling on my papers. And I'm like, wait, that's actually good. You know, you can use those doodles in order to help you remember the things that you are reading. And I just love that because I just think about me, you know, I was that child and having no knowledge of this, I was doing things like doodling. And if I would have known that doodling could have helped me uh, retain information as a child, I think that would have made a world of difference. And I think there are so many children out there you know, especially in underserved communities that don't know that they are smart and that they can do it. They just need different tools to help them learn. And I'm just so grateful that I know now because now whenever I learn something that is helpful to me and I hear that someone's dyslexic or they share something with me that, you know, reminds me of myself, then I'm able to share with them, oh, this is the tool that helped me. And I think it would be really helpful for you. And I think that that's something that just brings me great joy to be able to like pass on the things that I am learning now. Yeah. Amazing. It's great. Great hearing this. It's it's funny for me because, you know, my journey with teaching people and helping people with dyslexia, Melissa, you must have been 
you know, listening to me from a very early stage. Yep. Mm -hmm. So 2018 and we're in 23. So that's five years. I think my first training course on Udemy was mind mapping. I think that was eight years ago, seven years ago, thereabouts. And what the relevance of this to you as an audience is maybe that, you know, what's the difference between dyslexia in childhood and a dyslexia in adulthood? And in many ways, Jamesia, you kind of bridging both, you know, you're kind of having like a internal, I think, if you don't mind me characterizing it for you, but, you know, with Melissa, you're kind of the little Jamesia is learning to deal with her dyslexia. And then with me, big Jamesia, you know, executive producer Jamesia is learning to deal with dyslexia as the adult, because I've gone on this journey where I've taught so many of these systems, processes of doodling, underlining, mind mapping, visualizing, capture, filter, focus, explain, which is what we've been talking about. Capturing lots of information by decoding those words, filtering them by underlining a few key words, and then focusing them by pulling together into some sort of visual cohesive image and flow and then explaining it by telling the story again this is like the fundamental you know process everyone goes through except translating into something visual now other people who are non-visual less visual are like i can capture the information decode the words i can filter it out into to a bullet point list of a few keywords i can remember straight away and then i can focus in on it by maybe turning it into a paragraph or two of a summary paragraph, topic sentence, main sentences, finishing sentence, and then I can explain it to somebody by reading it all out. With dyslexia, you're like, oh, no, that's the last thing I want to be doing. So translating it into something that's more visual has been the journey I was doing. And Melissa, you've been doing so many of that. That's brilliant. <laughs> See how you picked up and deployed all of those tools. And it's fascinating because, Jamesia, you kind of joined me when I started to shift into the next, another phase, which is how to teach adults to deal with dyslexia in the workplace. And that's a whole different set of challenges that aren't necessarily related to reading or comprehension or, or so on, but are more around the realm of executive function skills like that are often more associated with ADHD than they are with dyslexia, but there's a, a, a real overlap. Could you talk a little bit about the sort of adult dyslexia side of things or the workplace dyslexia strategies and so on that have been going on concurrently with that, that you've picked up? Yes, I would say one is <laughs> advocating for my needs, and that would be requesting more time if I need time for something, sharing with others, you know, that I do have dyslexia. And so, again, it may take me a little bit longer to do something. And I think that's been the most freeing thing just to be able to say like, hey, trust me, I'm going to get to it. But if I can have just a little extra time, you know, to make sure that I'm not missing any details, things like that. But secondly, I think since working with you, I have utilizing the notes 
has been really good when something comes up, just saying like, okay, really quickly, let me get this out of my mind and put it in my notes so that I don't have to remember, you know, keep all of these things <laughs> in my brain. And so that has been really freeing. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've utilized my notes this much ever. Like literally every time I think about something, it's just all in my notes. I think since working with you, you will see a, a huge just difference in how much I have utilized that and how helpful, you know, it has been for me. And also with the calendars that you taught. I mean, all of these things are like, we, we have these tools here, but I have never used them. <laughs> and so it's just these simple things of utilizing your calendar when you know that there's something important that you cannot forget, putting it there. I, that has been huge. Because I can just go there in the mornings. I'm like, all right, okay, what do I have to do today? How long is that going to take me? How long, I mean, how much time did I map out? And yes, yeah, so I would say no stooling. And then, you know, my favorite as of recent had been chat GPT <laughs> and Claude. Listen, anything that I have to do when it comes to writing emails, when it comes to writing summaries for some of my shows, I am using chat GPT. And at first I'm like, well, is this cheating, you know, using this thing? But I found out that there are so many people who don't have dyslexia, so many executives who are using chat GPT to just help them work a little quicker, you know? So now I don't need to spend three hours trying to write an email. I put my thoughts in there. It helps me organize my thoughts a bit. And most times I'm still going to go back and, you know, do some editing after chat GPT has given me something. But it is helpful just for it to say, like, for me to put the words in there and it is, it helps me think. I don't, I don't know if that's, the, <laughs> it's just like, okay, here's an organization of what your brain is thinking. And now I can work with that, you know? So that I would say has been the biggest game changer for me, especially when it comes to writing. And don't forget speech to text as well. So you're also yes. speaking out your thoughts quite a bit more than you were before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How much are you doing that speech to text? I use that more so with my notes and, and with my phone, you know, primarily. So with notes and then also too, I have to, I do a lot of business sometimes through text messaging. And so for me to do that, for me to utilize that, or even voice notes, you know, I'm like, okay, why do I, you know, spending all this time <laughs> trying to write it out and think about why don't I just say it? And so that has definitely been freeing for me as well. Yeah, because a lot of what we've done and I've done with other clients is, right, just say it out in random order, you know, dictate it into a note and let's put it into chat GPT and say, clean this up and it'll just clean it up. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that is what I was meant to What that's what I meant. Yeah. But it's yeah. still your words, but it's it just... Is cleaned out a lot of the repetition, cleaned out a lot of the circular you know, ums and ahs and so on. And you've got the main chunks and then you can reorganize it, et cetera. Yeah. So, well, and for me too, because a lot of times I have these ideas and I can't sometimes figure out how to make it connect, but I know that it does. <laughs> so it's just like, I have a thought about something over here and a thought about something. I know these things go together. And mm. so- GPT, sometimes I put whatever those random thoughts are, and it will give me an idea of how they think, how it thinks it goes together. And I'm mm. like, okay, not quite, but close. So now that I have that, let me continue to work from that place. And so, yeah, so it just helps me 
Yeah. Be, being able to just like bring my thoughts together sometimes, which is something that I struggle with, especially when it comes to being able to just articulate my thoughts and my ideas. I'm like, I know, I know that, I know that this works, but I can't figure out mm -hmm. how to make it work sometimes. Yeah. And so chat yeah. GPT just helps me get closer to what it is that I want to share, you know, sometimes. Now, some people might be surprised that you've had a different relationship with your calendar over the last year because of dyslexia and people go what do you mean you know you're using your calendar differently and it's different I mean could you explain a little bit about calendar and your relationship to calendar before we started talking about it and then after and why what's that got to do with dyslexia you know what's the relevance of that yeah well I think and this comes in too with notes as well I will write notes and to-dos and things that I have to do today. I will write them down, but they'll be all over the place. It'll be on a random sheet of paper, in a journal, over here, over there. And I'm like, okay, where did I <laughs> where did I write that? What time is that meeting? I don't know, because I wrote it on a random sheet of paper that I cannot find. You know what I mean? So I think for the main thing for me, it's just like, okay. When I know that there is something important to do, immediately putting it into my calendar ensures <laughs> that I'm going to find it and that I'm going to be more on top. It's, it's helped me be a little bit more organized, if that if that makes sense. And to know that I'm like not going to miss something because I have now trained myself. I wake up and I'm like, all right, let me check my calendar, you know, first to see if there's anything important that I put in here to do this day. And it's helped me to not miss meetings. It's helped me yeah, it's just it's just a place to centralize, you know, yes, everything yes. going on. Whereas yes. before I would have it all over the place. And Melissa knows she's like, Oh yeah, where's that one note? And I'm like, okay, wait a minute, let me search through, <laughs> let me go find it, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, five minutes later, okay, here it is, you know. And now with me utilizing calendar and notes, you know, I don't have to do that anymore. It's in one centralized place. Even the notes that I've taken with Melissa, I've put it all in my notes app. And so when it's time for us to do our meetings, what do I do? I just go click on the Melissa note and I can go right to our Zoom links or any of the other things that she has taught me that I need to remember. I'll take a picture of it and put it in the notes app. So this way I don't have to go fumbling through my papers when she calls me <laughs> and it's like, all right, we're going to do, you know, we're going to work on your, yeah. yes, my spelling rule. She's like, okay, what's this spelling rule? And before I would have to sift through thousands of papers to figure out where I wrote the spelling rule. But now I took a picture of it. And so now I can just go to my notes and it's, and it's all right there. So I would just say just having a centralized place for things and not relying on my, and also to not relying on myself to remember it. Cause I'm always like, Oh, I'm going to remember that. Yeah. It's, it's exactly the same scenario as remembering the story, but in an adult context. Okay. So the story, you're reading the story and you think, I don't need to take notes about this. I'm going to remember this. It's just a little story about Thomas Edison or the Sword of Damocles or whatever story. And you, I'll remember that, but then you don't at the end. And it's a working memory thing, isn't it? And it's not a comprehension difficulty, like you're saying, Melissa, necessarily. It's a working memory thing where if I can capture those key little bits of information, I won't forget it and I can stitch them all together. Same thing is happening in the adult context, the workplace context, where, oh yeah, I'll remember that note. And so I'll, I don't need to take it. And then it's gone. 
and it causes so many problems. But if you capture that and quickly put it into Apple Notes or OneNote, but we are using Apple Notes, you're emptying your working memory, number one. You're actually going through the process of deciding what are the key words, the three key words that I'm going to use to research this in my own language. So there's a filtering happening there as well. How do I put this into my own language and the way I want to say it and the way I'm going to search for it in the future? And it builds this second brain for you, a second memory for you. And I think that's one of the things that we worked on really hard is how can you make sure you can take a note in less than 60 seconds and how you can find it in less than 20 seconds? Otherwise, you don't have a memory. You just have a database or piles of a record keeping. It's a storage space. It's not actually a memory. And then the, the calendar, I remember when your eyes lit up and I told you that the calendar is where you keep all of your promises. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And something happened. I, I've seen that so many times and I had to do it for myself. I said, do you know what your calendar is? I said, it's a book of promises. Every single promise you make, you put in your calendar. If it's to a six-year-old child that you're going to take them for ice cream at such and so, put it in your calendar. That's a promise. You put it in your calendar. If it's to your mother to call them, it's to your boss. If you're going to meet up, if you're going to go out for a meal or drinks or you're going to give someone a lift or you're going to drive back or whatever it is. If it's a promise, you write it in there. Yep. Or a hair appointment. Yeah. And now even, you know, how you suggest it. Well, it's not just the time that you have that hair appointment, but how long is it going to take you to get there and, you know, get home and like blocking out that chunks of time. So I'm like, I'm doing that as well. Like, oh, it's going to take me I got an hour to get there, an hour to get the hair. So it's like I'm blocking off this chunk of time. I know that I'm going to be, you know unavailable for yeah. any other commitment. And I think that has been, you know, helpful as well. Okay. So we've got this big picture of, you know, what woke you up to dyslexia, what your main challenges were, and we could probably say added to those challenges with, in terms of comprehension and organizing your thoughts, but also organizing your time and your life, you know, and all that time management, note keeping and all that jazz. So between Melissa and I, we've been doing both, you know, with you. So one of my questions in all of this is, you know, th there will be adults who are listening to this podcast, who are listening to it because they thought they were listening to it for their child who's maybe eight years old, nine years old, or 12 and struggling or whatever, but then they're starting to think, maybe I need to do something for me as an adult. But often as an adult, you think, well, you know, the time has passed to do anything about it. I'm an adult now. What would you say to that? I would say that this has been life changing for me just to begin to see myself and begin to figure out who I am. I feel like before, I wouldn't say that I knew who I was. I was just going along with life and, you know, I've been grateful, but pretty much taking the path that has been laid out for me. And I feel like with this discovery now, it has, what I would say Melissa was saying earlier, it has allowed me to, I want to use the words play a little bit. And know that it is okay to 
play and my brain thrives in playing <laughs> in order to figure out how I can be the best me, how I can best give back really, you know, in this life. And so there have been so many discoveries, me knowing, and these are things that have been involved, but I wasn't tapped into them. But now just coming to the realization that I think that I am really put here for kids, I think, you know, I think in the way that my brain works, that I should be doing something in the children's space. I think it will still be in the lines of storytelling. I'm a storyteller, be it sharing my own story, be it sharing the story of others. I'm a storyteller, but I also think that I would, I'm going to do really well in sharing stories that are for children, be it as an author or be it as, you know, doing content for kids. I wouldn't have known this had I not gone down this path into just figuring out why I was having some of the challenges that I was having. I would not have known this if it had not been working with Melissa or working with you. These doors would not have opened. And I think so many times as adults, we get to my age and you think that this is it. And this is just the path that I have to take. And it's just like, no, it's not. You can start over. And it may sound strange to be working on syllable division as a 39-year-old, relearning how to read and spell, but it's also so empowering to now know. And that's been the biggest blessing for me is just like, now I know. Now, (laughs) after all these years, I finally have answers. Now I know that, no, you are smart. You just have to find what works for you and embrace your uniqueness and that be okay. Like a lot of the things I'm doing now, sometimes I have to think like, okay, so you want to go make these YouTube videos for kids where you're being all animated and you're performing. And and I think at the core, like that is who I am. But sometimes the adult version of me likes to say that like, oh, that's immature, you know? And I have to say, no, I think that I was given that gift for a reason. And it's okay to figure out what that reason is. And just because you're 39 and you want to go, I don't know, just, yeah, play around like a kid, basically. Maybe that's what you were meant to do, you know? (laughs) And that's okay. I feel like that's where the real me is going to begin to shine and being okay with that. So I think when you're an adult, you think that, oh, I'm an adult and this is how things have to be. And I feel like I'm learned this process is showing me that it doesn't and that there are skills out there that can help you uncover those things and ultimately be a better version um, of yourself and hopefully even live out the purpose, what you were put here on this earth to do. It's such a common story, isn't it? That when adults find out about their own dyslexia you're a little bit different because often they find out about their own dyslexia through their children you know like the common pattern is that you're 40 years old 35 let's say about 35 years old 40 years old your child's seven or eight they've been difficulty at school they get assessed for dyslexia and often the dyslexia assessor goes by the way this is inherited Do you want to do an assessment yourself, which is what Steven Spielberg did with his son? And he's a TV producer as well, obviously a film producer. And he discovered he was dyslexic when his son was identified. And so many 
my mom has now we (laughs) we have an assessment but pretty sure you know at first she's like no no that's not me and I'm like mom yes I think so and even with ADHD and dyslexia she'll (laughs) she'll go from task to task to task and now that I know (laughs) yeah she's like you know what maybe and I'm like yeah came from somewhere So, yeah, so my mom is actually having that discovery now through me in yeah. what I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you know, I've had students who are clients, students who have been 65, 70 years old. I have one student who's 65 or, or recently. And, you know, they've just discovered about this dyslexia and they're they're learning how to do all sorts of things and it's unlocking stuff. And that's the incredible thing. And I think that's the big message here. It, it, this is like a, a real key. You know, when people say unlock something, that dyslexia word, you open up that label of dyslexia doesn't lock you in. It actually unlocks stuff. You open mm-hmm. it up, it unlocks techniques, strategies, personal insights, and also who you're meant to be, you know, like you just described. How how have you seen it, Melissa? I've started working with a student in second grade. Sometimes writing or homework would bring them to tears. And so discovered that seemed to have a lot of characteristics of dyslexia. And so I started tutoring with her. And by the end of second grade, when they got their yearbooks, they're supposed to put down their favorite memory of the year. And that goes in the yearbook. And my student wrote, finding out I was dyslexic. That was her favorite memory. And that's how that, that is just the, how powerful it is to learn what is going on to discover yourself. So knowing, having an answer to what the struggles are and to what's happening, it opens up a door. You can now actually start to figure out who you are, how to work with yourself instead of fighting against it. So Hearing that from a student, that that I think that just is proof of how empowering it is to know that you're dyslexic, to get that. So yeah, knowing is, it's a freedom. It gets you going and lets you start to be who you are and discover what your strengths are. I think it's important to mention the one-to-one tutoring is, is so, so useful and important. And I'm I'm not promoting tutoring with me or tutoring with Melissa, but I'm I'm promoting one-to-one tutoring as a whole with dyslexia is often so crucial because you need feedback, like fast, instant, relational feedback. You need to hear it with some words. You need to see someone's eyes. You need to get, and then is this working? Am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? And or you think you've got it, and then someone goes, oh, by the way, you've not quite got that right, rather than spending half an hour, one hour, two weeks doing something, going down a tangent, getting that instant feedback is so important. And I highly recommend that you do that for children, and you do that as an adult. Get a dyslexia coach. It is so liberating. And and it's and it's interesting. You might go to Melissa. So it's f- fascinating what happened with you, Jamisia. You went to Melissa, started doing reading, but 80% of it is actually, you know, self-confidence and strategies with work and how you integrate it into your life. And then 
that jumps over to me where Melissa says, you need to go and get these Darius strategies and you started getting these executive function strategies, et cetera. But a lot of that was also the same kind of themes, you know, and even just the idea of the calendar. And this seems so ridiculous to confess this as a person with dyslexia. So many people with dyslexia have a really bad relationship with their calendar because they've constantly tried to make it work and then it's failed. And then they try, they know they should keep their calendar or their diary. And then 50%, 70% of things go in there and it's all hard work, but then some things don't go in there and it doesn't quite work and you don't get the benefit of having absolutely everything in there and it gets a bit chaotic and then you give up on it and so on. And I struggled with that. But the moment someone says, I know how you feel, this is another way of looking at the calendar. Instead of thinking about the calendar the way everyone else does, think about it as a creative person. Think about it as this is my book of promises. I am committed to delivering, making my yes, my yes, and my no, my no, delivering on my promises. How do I do that? All right, that's how I do it. How do I visually stretch boxes in the fame rather than writing in numbers? I stretch things out and move things around and using it as a visual organizer calibrating your understanding of time to the reality of time and it gradually changes reprograms it seems so ridiculously simple that other people are just automatically just doing or i don't really need to do that i remember most things and i just use my calendar for to make sure i don't drop the ball on a few other things no we've got to do it right and the way that fits for our brain that's just something really small but so important now why am i saying all of that I'm saying all of that to you as a listener to say this little task of getting a coach to help you with a dyslexia strategy has so much payoff compared to any others. I mean, I've got people I do coaching with who have had business consultants and so on, coach them thousands and thousands of dollars, et cetera. And then I come in and I do this silly little calendar thing or this silly little note-taking thing. But what it does is it deals with a core processing challenge because this is about processing. This is about working memory. If you don't understand processing, if you don't understand working memory, all of these things become superficial patches. But when you go right down to understanding how dyslexia affects you and a dyslexia strategy the payoff and the ripple effects is just so massive into all aspects of your child's life or your own life. So it's it's really worth doing. And I just thought, Jamisi, why don't you speak a little bit to that whole, because you must have wrestled with this, you know, like why on mm-hmm. earth am I spending thousands of dollars on Melissa or paying Darius or whatever? I don't know. It, it will be significant amounts of money because yeah. it's not cheap to get one-to-one people's times expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, What process did you go through as an adult sort of processing all of that? Yeah, well, so really quickly when I was trying to decide whether or not to tutor with you and Darius, I was, I think, you know, maybe I had maybe another career coach or something like that. And Melissa told me straight out, she was like, you need to go with somebody who knows how your brain works. Like, I understand that everybody else learns it this way and does it this way, but that's not what you need. You know, (laughs) you need to go with someone who knows how your brain works, 
and is going to be able to, you know, help unlock some of those challenges because yeah, you know, another career coach could come to you and say that like, you should do it this way, but that's how the normal mainstream, <laughs> that's how the mainstream brain works. That's not how your brain works. So I feel like she's like, I feel like Darius would be a better investment. And, you know, once she told me that, you know, I went for it and, and she was right. But um, even coming to Melissa, I, I have to say the one thing that I really love about Melissa is that her tutoring prices are very affordable. <laughs> yeah. They are very affordable. And that was awesome to me because I, especially starting out, because I didn't know whether or not if I had dyslexia or, or any of those things. And I think people do get discouraged sometimes because it is unaffordable. And so yeah. I think that her prices have allowed me to continue to tutor with her, even in times when maybe I don't necessarily have, right now I'm unemployed, you know, and I'm still able to tutor with her and I'm so grateful for that. So she does make it affordable, I think, for any family. And so I think that I'm really grateful to her for that. But not only that, when I tell you it's she's done so much more, just in a sense, she'll send me text messages of in, encouraging words. She'll send me videos from you. She will, you know, help me with projects. Right now we are working on in our Barton tutoring there will be like certain sentences that they have out there. One of them happened to be a sly cat. And so in order to challenge me, she was like, I want you to go make a short story about your sly cat. And I'm like, okay. So we did that. I did that challenge. And then after that, we just decided like, oh, what if we make a short story series where basically we take random things <laughs> that I'm learning in my tutoring session and make mini stories out of them. And, you know, we're calling it the Creative Spark series. So we did my first short story and I'm going to put that up on Amazon. So it's just so worth it. And it's been so much more than just reading and spelling. It's really begin to just unlock who I am, things that I'm interested in, how I feel like I can give back to the world. And none of this would have been possible if I didn't just say, like, let me in invest in getting to know who I am. Um, again, I thought it was one thing, but it has completely turned into something else. I am working on a book about me being a, a child and dyslexic. You know, I know that I'm working on a, a faith, faith based YouTube, you know, program for kids that I want to put out. And all of that has come out of me signing up for tutoring. <laughs> yeah. You know, Brilliant. with Brilliant. Melissa. And I think that you go into it for one thing and it has just been so much more. I, yeah, yeah, I call, I literally, I call her like my earth angel. I'm like, I don't know, like literally <laughs> she is what I did not know that I needed, you know, and at times she'll give me tough love and she's like, no, like you listen, I'm sorry, but nothing's going to change if you don't put in the discipline and I, you know, cause I'll come in whining sometime. Like, I feel like I just can't. And she's like, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're going to have to, if this is what you want to see, you're going to have to do, you know, X, Y, and Z each week. She gives me a weekly challenge. I have to make, she'll give me two things like marshmallows and a mat. And I have to make a video utilizing those two in any way that can come to mind for me. And so that's a personal challenge that I have to do every week. And one week I decided that I just didn't have the energy or didn't want to do it. 
And she's like, okay, well, are you going to turn it in tomorrow? Because you're still going to do this. <laughs> you're still going to do the assignment. And I think it's just little things like that have just been priceless. So I would say for me, find someone that's affordable enough that you can continue to be consistent with. Yeah. Because I think it's the consistency. It's the fact that I see her two times a week, every week, that has been the change for me. So yeah. if any parents are out there and really wanting to make life changes, you know, for their children and for themselves, find somebody that is passionate about the dyslexic community, which both of you are, and find somebody that is, I just think she has a, a good heart and she really does just want to help. And that is the one, that's really the thing that kind of keeps this going because I know that she truly cares about me and my well-being. Yeah. I know that she sees me when I don't. And I know that my success is her success. And I I'm, I literally can't wait for the day that one of my books is on the New York Times bestsellers or, you know, any of these, pro anything that I'm doing. <laughs> I told her she's going to be right there because I would not have arrived to where I am now and where I am going just without all the things that I have learned through her. So definitely one-on-one -on -one coaching is life-changing. Melissa? One-on-one. -on -one, yeah. And I can tell you as a tutor, it's as rewarding for the tutor, I think, as it is for the student. We get to watch this journey. We get to see them, see you grow and gain that confidence. And when we see the lows, we feel the lows with you. And we're just there in your corner cheering you on. And that one-on-one -on -one makes such a difference because you get to be you in that time instead of having to compete with other students who are there. You can We can actually use analogies that fit with stuff that you're interested in. And that, that really makes a difference in being able to connect and understand. And maybe you struggle in this one area, but these other students don't. So then what do you do? You, you, you have to either, you either have to deal or the other students have to deal with that struggle. So that one-on-one -on -one makes it all about you. It means that we can focus on what you're struggling with at the time, what you're interested in, what your goals are. If you're having a bad day, let's talk about it. So one-on-one, -on -one, it's a huge change, life changer in, yeah. in the tutoring world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not a luxury. It's not a luxury. I think that's the important thing for, for, for many typical students, it is a luxury, but for with dyslexia, it's absolutely essential to make certain breakthroughs. And what, one of them that you've brought up Jamesia, is the importance of this consistency and repetition that often we don't realize with dyslexia because automaticity is often affected by dyslexia. And we don't have the same ability to pick up habits automatically or remember processes as automatically as other ma uh, uh, minds. We need a lot of repetition and it can be very frustrating to say, I know how to do that. I for Why am I relearning this? Okay, I need to relearn this and redo it and redo it and redo it and redo it. But with that relationship, you're like, don't worry about it. This is just the way it is with dyslexia. It's not a problem. It just means you'll learn it even better. Like a racing car driver using a manual stick shift car. You know, you get really good at when to go into third gear around a corner or whatever. You're really being intentional rather than an automatic car. Yeah. And I think that there, and I, I have to say this because when I first found out about it, I was discouraged because there is 
a lot out there that is extremely unaffordable for some of the communities where dyslexia is most prevalent. I will say that. And so it took me the research and the time to figure out what was going to work for me and something that I could sustain. So what what I want to say is that the options are out there. You just have to continue to look into research and don't be discouraged when you go looking and it's in a price range that, and I, at the time, you know, at the time I was still working and making money, but even for me, some of it was just like, no, I I can never sustain this. But again, I continue to research and I continue to find what worked for me and more importantly, the right person for me. And I think that that too, just makes a huge difference. You want to find somebody that truly <laughs> is invested in your growth and yeah, seeing you win, which I know Melissa is, <laughs> you know, and that That's has so been fantastic. just a game changer. Cause a lot of times I come in there and I may, I may not have it to give to myself, but by the time I have left that session with her, now I have what I need to continue to go on and and, and conquer my day. So I would say definitely take the time to research and invest in one-on-one coaching for yourself or for your child. It is going to be a game changer. And I think the earlier, the better, right? I mean, if I would have had this <laughs> as a child who just thought that, oh, I, I don't like reading. I Why can't I remember why can't I? I remember I go back to the first story my mom shares when she was trying to teach me how to spell the word rat. And she, you know, my brother, he he was like a GT student, gifted and talented student, and he got it right away. Me, she's trying to teach me to spell rat. She tells it to me five times. And then she's like, all right, spell rat. And I'm like, I can't do it. And she's like, what do you mean? We just sat here for literally 15 minutes. How do you not know? You know? And so I think back to that time. And had I known that it was dyslexia and had I had a tutor then, I just, you know, wonder what a world of difference that that could have made. So I think the earlier, the better, even if you don't know, try and, you know, get an assessment to figure out. And and there are affordable options out there to help your child and, and even yourself if needed. Melissa, fantastic. Well done. Brilliant. And Thank you. This is the, I don't know how many podcast episodes I've shared. We go through the life story of different people in this, in, in Dyslexia Explored. Basically, what's your dyslexia story? It's as simple as that. What was life like before? What woke you up to it? What were your main challenges? What are the main advantages? And for those people who have got to a place where they feel like they have are really expressing their gifts with dyslexia, often behind that, there has been a coach, one person who has coached them one-to-one. Sometimes it's their mother, often it's their mother, but often it's not. Often, you know, well, you need a really strong mother with dyslexia to really help you guide through it. That's the bottom line. I know that's not politically correct to say, but, you know, mothers, you are heroes. I see it all the time with dyslexia, the staying power it takes to bring a child through school with dyslexia, but then you hear this story of coaches who come along, one-to-one tutors who have who have gone in there maybe to teach reading like you have, Melissa, but they're teaching all sorts of other strategies like let's let's write out your classroom routine, let's do a little chart and put it in your bag and let's put it in here and let's put it on the wall and 
make sure you speak to Mrs. Such and Such about such and such, and they get to know your life. And that kind of tutoring is just so important and, and transformative through people's lives. And I have to say, those people who haven't got it have often paid a heavy price in adulthood and teenagehood. And that's one of the really sad parts of dyslexia, that actually we do need a lot more one-to-one coaching on this academic and this these practical stuff, these academic kind of stuff. Um, and it's just the reality for 10% of the population. Yeah. I mean, I literally have one of the, I was struggling with believing in, you know, myself and the possibilities. And she had me just write out a, do- she had me draw a picture, <laughs> do a doodle of uh, something that would encourage me. And that doodle that I've drawn is on my ceiling over my bed. And I look really? at it every morning. You know what I mean? So it's things like that that are life-changing. And sometimes I look at it and I'm like, this is, it looks like I'm in a child's room right now. But you know what? That's what works for me. And I have yeah. to, I'm learning to be okay with that. Fantastic. Melissa, we're going to have to put your link in the show notes below so people can click through and, and get some coaching for their children and adults. Do you do online coaching as well as in person? I'm all online at the moment. Yeah. So all online. Mm -hmm. And have you got space for new students at the moment? (laughs) During the day I do. So depending on where you are, if you're overseas, I definitely, because that six hour time difference puts you in my mornings and my days. So I definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I really hope that you do get some coaching from Melissa. If you're looking for a coach, Melissa's Definitely one one to try first as well. Jamesia, what's next? Are you going to do, are you going to turn any of your TV producer skills towards the world of dyslexia? Are you going to use it in that world at all? When I was working with you, Darius, we were talking about, you know, partnering up with nonprofit organizations to help share their stories. And I'm still very much interested in that. I have, you know, what now? <laughs> 15 years of experience in the documentary space. And so I would definitely, you know, love to partner with people in the dyslexia community just to continue to share our stories and get our stories out there. So that for sure, you know, as I mentioned, we're working on, we have a series that we're calling the Creative Spark series. So whatever things that I'm kind of working on in dyslexia, whatever prompts that I'm using to write my short stories, we're going to put those out there. But it's also prompts that, you know, children can use as well. And they can decide what they want to do with their Sly Cat. What would your Sly Cat do? And so, yeah, so we're basically using that in order to just spark creativity in the young minds and to know that your story, there's space for your story too. And I think people connect with you and um, find all these things. Yeah. I think that, you know, they're in the works, (laughs) but can definitely connect with me. I think the main way right now is I'm on, you know, Instagram and TikTok would be, I guess the main ways. So. Okay. So we'll put Jamesia, your Instagram and TikTok links in the show notes below just swipe up or click more on your show notes and you'll see the links and also for Melissa there as well any final thoughts and words final thoughts and words I would say that one I am definitely grateful for the two of you and all the in what you have invested (laughs) into my life and 
I would say, I think that in order to kind of fit in, I think that even though I'm grateful for my path, I kind of chose the path that made sense, if that makes sense. Made sense, but with enough creativity that I wasn't, being a TV producer, you know, you're not exactly <laughs> in in the mainstream community, but there are aspects of it that do put you there. There were all of these skills that I had as a child that maybe put me more in a performance space, shall we say, or put me more in maybe as an actress or, you know, all these sorts of things that lit me up as a child. But I suppressed that because mm -hmm. I wanted to take the safe route, if that makes sense. So I think if anyone is listening out there, just don't deny those things that made you light up as a child. They're there for a reason. And yes, it may be hard <laughs> for you to choose a path that doesn't quite make sense to everyone, but it will be worth it and you will find purpose there and you will find yourself there. And that's what I'm doing now. And also too, that it's never too late. As long as you're alive, <laughs> you can get back to that child heart, those things that you had, you know, on your heart and within you as a child. And yeah, never too late. One of the things I've noticed in this journey, starting to teach children and teenagers and then starting to teach the, the parents, is I, I've moved more towards teaching parents now because what happens is that, imagine you were a parent, okay, and you're going through the, this experience that you're going through. Often what happens is you can then pass on that love of the calendar to your kids in a kid appropriate way or that love of doodling in a doodle appropriate way like melissa is doing for you you end up doing for your own children or like what you're wanting to do now is to work with a lot more children and create media for those children as well is is something happens as you're learning that you start to pass it on and i think that's one of the big keys in the whole how do we deal with dyslexia worldwide you know, 10% of the world's population have got dyslexia. That's nearly a billion people. And they most of them don't know they've got it. And how do you deal with it? The, the best way, I think, is adults to start learning how the strategies, how to fit the skills to their brain. And then they start seeing when the skill set that their kid's trying to use doesn't fit their mind. They go, oh, you need to doodle this a bit or you need to do this or let's try this or let's try that at the point of need. So it's been fascinating to see you do both simultaneously, as it were, for little Jamesia and big Jamesia all, all, all at the same time. And, you know, something that came out to me in this conversation is I think you would this be right? You feel more in control now. Yes. You know, I get this feeling from you, Jimmy Sia, that like pre this awareness of dyslexia, you felt more out of control. And then now afterwards, there's just this more control in all sorts of different areas of, of life. 
I don't want to know. I'm I'm instinctively feeling it, but would that feel right? Yeah, I would say if yes, but I would also describe it as being stuck <laughs> before and now I feel unstuck. Now I feel like the world has just opened up for me a bit more, if that makes sense. You know, now I feel like to your control point, now I feel like I can make decisions for myself, you know, and I can follow a path that I set for myself versus one that is given or laid out for me, so to speak. So now I feel like I have, yeah, more options. Yeah. Yeah. More options now. One question. I'm going to go to you, Melissa, in a moment. Uh, but I sometimes ask people, if you were to send your younger self uh, a card in the post, a greeting card of some sort, what age would you send it to? What what age of Jamesia would you send it to? What would be on the front of the card? And what would be the message to yourself on the inside? I think it would be age seven. And I think... I would put the doodle that I actually have (laughs) on my ceiling on the front. And what it is, is it's a little girl and she's on a boat and she's stepping off of the boat, you know, into the water. And basically under the water, there's a hand, a big hand, you know, which is basically for me showing that like, you know, you can step out of your comfort zone, step into the things that you want. And God's hand is basically under there and he's going to catch you. And then on the other side of it, it's a bird. And so it's basically saying, it's basically showing that like the freedom of, you know, believing in myself and getting out of my comfort zone. So the on the other end of this, of the water is a bird. And that's me being free, you know, free from holding myself back, free from the self-doubt of you know, you can't do this. You can't try that. You're going to fail knowing that no matter what, like God's hand is going to catch me. And so like, that's the picture that I would put on the front. And I think the message to myself would be just be you. And you are in Dear Jamesia, just be you. Just be you. Keep playing. Keep playing. Oh, yes. And that. Keep playing. yeah. 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 Keep playing and uh, just be you for sure. And that is enough. And also you can make it just being you. I think as an adult, you know, life comes at you fast. You have bills, you have things to pay, you know, and you've got responsibilities and you stop playing, which I did, you know, and you stop believing in your abilities and the things that were put on your heart as a child. And yeah, I lost my train of thought, but you get the point. Once you started <laughs> playing again, you realized yes. all that, right? Yes. Once, right. Once I started playing again, I realized that, I don't know, what did I realize, Melissa? <laughs> <laughs> that you do actually like to play and your passion, you discovered all your passions and your strengths that you. That yes. You yes. Oh, what she? Let's send another card. Let's send another card. <laughs> okay. Melissa's card. Okay. Melissa's card to Jamesia is being sent to the seven-year-old Jamesia. What what would be on your, on the front of your card that you sent to Jamesia and what message would you write on the inside? On the front, I would put, um, she shared a picture of her in a dance costume. So I would put that on the front because her dancing skills 
are kind of the, at the core of when she was comfortable with. So when she was younger, she turned to dance. And that was the one area where even if it was a struggle, she didn't care. She rose to that challenge and she still felt confident in herself and she would still get out on the stage. She was still going to be determined to do that. And so that would be my reminder to her is you have a passion. You have something that you believe in yourself for doing. And on the inside, I would say, keep dancing or keep playing because that's the thing that she forgot is throughout this whole time, everything that she does, she'll feel like, oh, I didn't have the confidence to keep going in it. And once I started to look at that, it started to say, well, what would you be willing to keep doing? She's like, well, I would keep doing dance even when I was discouraged. It's like, okay, well, we need to find something that makes you feel that same way that you're not going to give up on. And so it's, you know, you talk about how she's looking at her, she's got her little Jamesia and or young Jamesia and her adult Jamesia. And really this, this young Jamesia is really what is helping her in her adult life. Actually, it, it's, she's coming through and saying, don't forget what you were good at. Don't forget your, your passions. Keep you, you know, go back to those. You don't have to be stuck in, in this adult world. Go back to your passions. So my card would have that her picture of her in her dance costume and say, keep dancing, keep playing for her. That would be. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. This has been so lovely. Um, Melissa, I'm so glad that you've been here because we originally thought about this podcast that I'd be interviewing uh, Jamesia and she would obviously be talking about you. And Jamesia said, can we pull in Melissa as well? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I, although you've not said a lot here, you've a lot of has been said of you and it's fantastic to observe this relationship and this bond that you both got. It's fantastic. Thank you. It's been a wonderful opportunity. Thank you, yes. And thank you for having us. This has been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, if you're out there and you're in charge and you want to create some sort of dyslexia type story around your organization, Jamesia is a television producer that would want to do it for you. So get in touch with her seriously while you've got the chance. Uh, yeah. Because in the future, I think Jamesia might get in more demand. So while you've got the chance, yeah. that's another thing that you can do. I think there's something very valuable about telling stories of dyslexia to children with dyslexia. We live in this narrative reasoning world as human beings, and especially with dyslexia. Narrative logic is where we live a huge amount of our time. And that's your medium, you know, tell a story, how to distill something into a short, pithy story. Yes. Mm -hmm. Storytelling is my world. And I'm excited to just open that up, you know, with what I know about myself now and being okay with sharing stories in the way that I share them, you know? So yeah, I'm really excited for what's to come. Just this discovery that I've learned about myself, you know, over the last year has just, it's it's been life-changing. That's the best way that I can de describe it. And I know though it's difficult for me at times to, you know, hold on to it. I know that I'm just really excited to see what my future <laughs> holds now. And how are your metaphorical bleeding feet feeling like now on the mountain, climbing the next mountain? How do your feet feel right now in that analogy? Are they bloody? Have they healed up? Have you got the right size shoes? How, how do you feel equipped going on to the next leg of the journey? 
Well, I will, I've taken my feet out of the other shoes. Yes. So I feel like that's where we are. I've taken them out of the other pair of shoes and I have realized that I needed new shoes. And so we've purchased the new shoes. Okay. <laughs> You've bought the new shoes. Okay. We bought the new shoes. I, you know, and would we say that we've put them on already? I think you've, you, yeah. Yep. Okay. I think you have. I think it's now climbing to that top, getting to that top of that mm -hmm. mountain is the, is the final push that you're going for. Okay. So maybe you're breaking them in. Maybe you break, maybe breaking you're breaking them in. Them in. Good. Yeah. Because th <laughs> there is a kind of breaking in phase where you're like, yeah, I know they're the right size, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to get them to shape around my feet. And, you know, maybe, so let's just take that analogy and finish off with that analogy. Okay. Looking back over this story of you, Jamisia, and using that analogy, how I would characterize it is I'd say Melissa has really taught you how to change those shoes. Okay. And I've come in for a short spell in that journey. You know, we just did a few sessions together, 12 sessions, as opposed to like a whole year's worth twice a week with Melissa compared to like a hundred sessions, say with Melissa or, or 80, I don't know what you've done, but let, let that's the proportionally. Melissa, you're kind of like, you've put the shoes on, taken the shoes off, help bandage up some of those wounds, wash them out, you know, give them a bit of a fresh air and say, look, you've just got to stop a little bit, give them a breather, let's walk on the grass a little bit and free up those feet and just get used to walking the way your feet are, are meant to, you know, and then starting to put on a new pair of, of socks and maybe like a one size and you try out that size and you walk with it a bit and you go, that's not quite right. Let's try on another size. Oh yeah, this feels good. You know, and you, you're doing it. I'm maybe the one who came in and taught you how to use a compass and a map and get, do some orienteering and some of those sort of practical, you know, route finding strategies. But it seems to me like you've got to the point where you've now got those shoes on, you're starting to break them in, you're starting to say, right, I, I'm no longer hobbling anymore. I can actually walk along and, and keep up at a pace, actually, that is similar to other people with these other tools and so on, sometimes even faster, especially when you start using your creative problem solving to say, right, actually, this isn't just a question of the tortoise and the hare. This is a question of finding the right route. And you go, right, I found the right route to where I'm meant to go. And sometimes route finding is a quick way of making better progress. So within that analogy, it seems to me like you're now climbing another mountain, you know, going on another journey, and but feeling more equipped. What would you say? I would say yes, definitely climbing another mountain, definitely feeling more equipped. And it is definitely still hard. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Okay. Yeah. Yes, but it's a different hard. Interesting. You know? Different hard, still hard, different hard. Say a little bit more about that. It's a hard that I know will be worth it. In the end, yeah. it will be freeing <laughs> in the end if I'm able to stick with it because now I'm at the right mountain. I think before maybe I was oh, at yeah. the right mountain, you know. I see.
Yes. So now I feel like I'm at least at the right mountain, but it's yeah. still going to be hard. And I think that's the thing that people think, like, even when you are on the right road or following your dreams or your passions, like, oh, now I know that I'm good at this. It's going to be easy. Mm. <laughs> I think I've actually told myself that, like, oh, this should be easy over here. And I told, yes. I was telling yes. Melissa like, a few weeks ago, I'm like, this is still really hard. And I'm feeling like I'm having some of the same struggles that I was, you know, a few months ago. And, you know, in, in a position, you know, where maybe that didn't exactly fit me, but I still feel like I'm having those same struggles. And I think that's the thing. If you think that it's going to be easy, <laughs> then you are <laughs> awakening. So now I just have to embrace that it is going to be hard. It's still going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. Melissa, final word to you. I think, I guess I would say, don't give up on yourself. Believe in yourself. It is never too late. Um, and you all have something to offer. You all have strengths. I had an executive producer come to me over a year ago, tell me she had nothing to offer the world. And we've discovered, you know, as she's discovered, and as I knew from the time that she met me that she does, you, she does have skills and strengths and things to offer. And all of um, you out there do too, as well. Um, so believe in yourself, you've got these incredible um, survival tactics, the, the way that you get through this mainstream world, it just shows how strong and determined you are and how much how much you have to give. So look at that and find your strength and confidence in the fact that you're surviving in a world that isn't designed for your, all of your out-of-the-box thinking. So um, keep going. That That's, I guess, what I would say is, and yeah, I believe in them, you know. We we have people out there advocating and believing in them and and your strengths and we're hopefully we'll we'll get this world changed to fit with everybody to make and they're part of it. You guys are the creative, you're this you know the creative people to solve these problems. So I guess it's just letting everyone know out there that you know we believe in you. So keep going out there. That's. Guess what I've been wanting to change for a long time, and just what I wanted to let everyone know that don't don't stop, don't stop. You've got it. Fantastic, Melissa. Thank you. <laughs> and on that note, goodbye. <laughs> Bye. 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 This podcast is sponsored by DyslexiaProductivityCoaching.com. It's my day job when I'm not hosting this podcast. Tell me. Do you know what you want to achieve in the workplace, but you're struggling with how to achieve it? Maybe you suspect some traits of dyslexia are getting in the way. Well, that's where dyslexia productivity coaching comes in, because we give you a simple productivity system for your Apple devices that harnesses the creativity that comes with your dyslexia. It includes proven methods like note taking, reminders, speech to text, mind mapping and more, all tailored to your needs. It'll free up your time and help you achieve outstanding results. Book a complimentary call to discuss it with me. And if you do it soon, I may also be available to coach you personally via Zoom. So don't be shy. Go to dyslexiaproductivitycoaching.com or swipe up and book it now.